Are you ready for a travel adventure? How about an exciting trip to Venice or an exhilarating experience in Bangkok? Maybe you were more about a culinary adventure in Barcelona or just a relaxing day cruising the canals of Amsterdam. Join the Professor Travel as he invites you on an epic excursion, one that has you traveling the globe with him. Come and experience a world of culture, a world of history and architecture, a world of food and experiences to broaden your mind and save you time and money as you travel. Learn more, discuss more, travel more, and enjoy life more. And now your host, The Professor Travel. Greetings, students, and welcome to this episode of The Professor Travel. I am your host, The Professor Travel, coming to you from Orange County, California. This is the website, the blog, and the podcast that you come to in order to learn more about different travel destinations. This is where you go as a community to discuss more. Hopefully, this will inspire you to travel more and ultimately to enjoy life more. Now, you can reach me at a variety of different social media platforms, starting, of course, with my website, which is at theprofessortravel.com. On YouTube, Facebook, and now on TikTok, you can find me there at the Professor Travel. If you're a Instagrammer and you like to see pictures, I can be there at, you can find me there at the underscore professor underscore travel. If you're a Twitterer, you can find me there at the Professor TR1. And then finally, if you are a blogger, you can find me on Blogspot at theprofessortravel.blogspot.com. Today, I'm welcoming back another one of my visiting professors, uh, Professor Marissa Paul Federico. How are you doing today? I am good. I am good. We have a nice cold day and cold, crisp, but sunny day in Oregon, which is an unusual thing. <laughs> well, that's amazing, as is this picture, by the way, but we'll get into that in just a second. <laughs> um, now, before we get started, and just for the sake of those who may have not seen any of the million of vid videos that you've done previously, um, can you tell us a little bit about your educational background and maybe a few places that you've traveled in the past? You bet. Um, well, I, I have an MBA and two, uh, two PhDs I'm all but dissertation in. You know how that goes. Yeah. Um, I, I, I am a professor, actually. I, I teach uh, international business, business law, and what have you. Uh, one of the reasons I got into that is because of my love of travel. And I had spent 25 years in the travel industry, uh, which, you know, was a perfect fit. I owned some companies. I ran some companies, um, you know, just the gamut. But uh, I've traveled all over the world, uh, about 47 countries. You can see my scratch-off map behind me. <laughs> nice. Uh, we getting part of it. Anyway, um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not nearly done. I feel like I've barely scratched the surface. Get it? Ah, uh, see, I, there you go. Um, now, this picture that we have on the screen here, talk to me about the story behind this picture. Well, I, you know, I had been talking to my best friend who actually um, I hadn't seen since 2011, mm. and this was 2018. Okay. And we decided to meet up. She lives in South Africa, and we decided to meet up in Vietnam. <laughs> so this was our first night, and we decided to go have cocktails near the, near the uh, hotel we were staying at, you know, just a walkabout when we first got there. Got it. And um, I ended up with a beer label on my head. You see, I'm quite buzzed there and having a great time. Um, we kept ordering beer after beer after beer. Of course, we did have a little pho to go with it, but nice. Vietnamese soup, for those that don't know. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that's, that's how that ended up, our first night in Vietnam. <laughs> and again, for the for the people that are on the podcast, uh, this is a lovely 
picture of Professor Marissa um, with a with a beer label on her forehead. So um, you definitely have to look at the YouTube channel. It's definitely got a story all to itself. Oh yeah. Um, so again, um, like you were making or like you were alluding to, we're going to talk about Vietnam today. So I don't really know that much about it, and I'm looking for more information and in under in order to understand it. Um, but talk to me a little bit about you know why you decided to go here and what was the driving motivation behind that? Well, you know, uh, combination of things. My brother was a Vietnam vet and, um, he swore he'd never go back and I, and he's passed on now. And, and I, I wouldn't go during his lifetime in, in deference to him, but, but, um, it, it had been a, a really on my bucket list to go to Vietnam. I'd, I'd always wanted to see it. And I'd heard how wonderful and fantastic it was. And I thought, you know what? I'm, I want to go. My friend also from that lives in South Africa, Karen, she wanted to go. Um, it was on her bucket list. So it was kind of a spur of the moment thing. And we just, we just, you know, did it. We just, you know, I mean, you know, we, we took it like a three months to plan it. But, you know, we, we just decided to go because on our bucket list. Yeah. And that was actually going to be my next question is like, how long exactly did you need to plan for something like this? Um, with Vietnam, you, you know, you don't need to plan that far in advance. The only thing you need to do is really watch out for good airfares. And I always go in shoulder season. We've talked about this before, mm-hmm. um, which is why, you know, quarantine right now is really killing me because this is the time when I do a lot of my travel. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, our winter, I tend to go places like Southeast Asia, uh, the warmer climates that, because it's cooler there than it would be during their summer. Um, and, and I, it's easier for me. I can handle it a little bit better. So yeah, that, that was part of the planning and part of the reason for when we went. Can we talk about shoulder season again for just one second? Because I know in some of the earlier videos, you mentioned this, but um, again, for those people who haven't seen this or who may be listening on the podcast, um, what exactly is shoulder season? Great. Thanks for asking. Um, You know, having been in the travel industry for 25, almost 30 years, actually, um, I'm aging myself there. Shoulder season is, um, well, you've got, you've got three seasons in travel. You've got high season, you've got shoulder season, and then you've got low season. So low season, of course, is when your prices are going to be the lowest to a destination. And, and every destination has a different high, low, and, and uh, shoulder. Um, your low season is when the prices are the lowest because travelers aren't going there. Uh, your high season is um, the, the season where everybody wants to be there. Typically uh, a country's summer, not always. And then shoulder season is that little in between period where, you know, we really call it, if you think about seasons from a perspective of the U S fall and spring mm-hmm. would be considered shoulder season. So, and, Oh, I'm sorry. I was no, and often, oftentimes you can get really good prices. You can get good deals for me personally, I think the weather is sometimes the best in shoulder season. Not only are you going to get less people, you're going to get better prices. And the weather is not too hot, not too cold in most places, and really just like baby bear. It's just perfect. So let me give you an example. So let's say, for example, I'm going to India. And if I'm going to India the shoulder season might be smack dab in the middle of their monsoon season slash like a summer season because you don't want to, because like, for example, in October, the weather is perfect. You have Diwali. There's a lot of different things going on. 
Um, so travel deals, I imagine in the, what we would call the summertime, you know, for us would probably be fairly low to India. Would you agree with that? Or is that because it's going to be way too hot? Yeah, exactly. Way too hot. So yeah, October, perfect in India shoulder season. Um, every time I've gone to India, I've been there a few times. I've gone in February, Uh, February, uh, February, September, October, February, March, my favorite times to travel uh, pretty much anywhere in the world. Hmm. That gives me the options and again, thinking in the future because uh, Holly or Holly is um, in absolutely. March usually as well too. Oh, so, uh, Holly's in a perfect time to go to India. Absolutely. So talk to me, what, are, what was the visa process like to go to Vietnam? The visa process for Vietnam is really interesting. Um, it, it's very simple, uh, much simpler than I expected. You uh, can go online, you uh, pay for your visa, but it, all you get is a letter. You get you literally get a letter of invitation. So, And you can just Google this. This is really simple. Just say, you know, um, letter of invitation, Vietnam. Okay. And then you actually get your physical visa and pay for it at the border when when you land okay so you take your letter of invitation you take your passport um at the time i went it was 40 dollars. i think it's probably the same you go to the counter you hand it to them you may wait a little while because it depends on you know has the system gone down or what have you um you get your visa and then you go right through so and and it's done right there uh, you br- oh sorry you also bring two passport photos with you um, very oh. very simple process okay cool and then any special travel medications because I know there's a little bit of a jungle uh, in some of the areas of Vietnam not necessarily the cities but like right outside of the cities yeah it depends on where you're going now we brought um, anti-malarials with us we never ended up taking them okay so we brought them with us just in case we decided you know to go into an area and we were going into one area we thought we might need it turns out we didn't so we didn't take them okay that makes sense talk to me about the packing process what what are you going to take when you're going to vietnam well, Vietnam is really easy to pack for because um, any t- any season you're going, you really want shorts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially if you're going to go down south, it's hot all the time. Okay. Um, we had um, you know several pairs, a couple a couple pairs of jeans, um, t-shirts, and then a jacket so that we could layer because in northern Vietnam it, it would you know get a bit chilly sometimes. Chilly for them. I mean, they were wearing heavy coats. I was wearing coming from Oregon. I was literally wearing a t-shirt. But well, I mean, you know, jeans. But but it, I was, and they would look at me like I was insane. But um, yeah, so it's it's layers, but it's not too many layers because it is going to get warm. So packing is really simple. You can pack fairly light. And are you? And, and I would pack light because you can buy cheap T-shirts and all sorts of things there. So you basically like you have my strategy where you deplete some of your items that you bring with you in order to make room for souvenirs and stuff like absolutely, that. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. That makes sense. Now, when you're flying out, are you flying out of SeaTac or are you flying out of Portland? I flew out of SeaTac. SeaTac. Okay, that makes more sense because it's yeah. international airport. Um, not that Portland's not, but I don't necessarily think it goes to all the cities. And it doesn't. It is an inter- Portland is an international airport and is expanding. But it's in order to go. <clears throat> excuse me. You can fly out of Portland, but you have to go to Seattle. Yeah. So I opt for the three hour drive to or two and a half hour drive to the airport um, and park there just for convenience. And how long were you going to be in Vietnam for? Two weeks. 
weeks. So you actually parked in SeaTac for two weeks? Is that what I understand? I did. I did. Well, uh, I, originally I had a friend that uh, was living there who ended up moving. Uh, how how un- inconvenient. All right, right? <laughs> Don't they know I'm supposed to be traveling in the future? For years, she said, come to my house, park at my house, and yeah, then move. Um, moved to Florida. Um, so I did. But I, I bought um, through airportparking.com, and I highly recommend them. I usually don't endorse a lot of things, but I highly recommend airportparking.com because you get uh, package deals, sometimes with a hotel, a night's one night's hotel. Um, I did not use that. I stayed at an Airbnb the night before. I went the day before. And then um, early in the morning, I went and parked my car. And it really was relatively inexpensive. I think it worked out maybe $7 a day. That's not too bad at all. That's for my students that are out there. You kind of have to weigh the option of whether or not you want to Uber something, whether you want, you want to park there. Um, oftentimes, like when I fly out of LAX uh, from Orange County, for the convenience of it, I might just because I've waited, and yeah, it's less expensive to get like a super shuttle or whatever. But then you have to wait for the super shuttle to pick you up, and then you have to, you right. know, go to all the stop offs that they're dropping everybody else off at, and you know, and, and exactly. deal with that. Um, with Uber, sometimes you know, it's not as it's not as easy as, as you may think it is. So, I mean, it might just be more convenient for you to pay for that parking and to have your own car available and for you to be able mm-hmm. to leave the spot as quickly as you want. Again, it's up to you as the student, how you want to do this, but there's lots of different options that are out there. And I think that's kind of what we're alluding to here. Right. And because when I leave out of Portland, I usually take the train mm-hmm. uh, to the airport. So there's tons of, I, I, I don't rely on just one way. There are so many ways. Yeah. And then which airline were you flying on this time? Uh, Korean. I always fly Korean. Okay. Um, I keep seeing points, the points. <laughs> <laughs> I keep seeing the beautiful um, commercials that they've been doing for years with Korean Air, and it's just it's all it looks so luxurious with like the the flight attendants all wearing this light blue, and everybody looks like they're giants standing next to the ship to the planes and stuff like that. It's it, it's meant to look luxurious, I think. It's, well, I I used to they were one of my clients for years, and so. So I know the vice president of the airline didn't help me, by the way, (laughs) I buy my tickets, but, um, I, you know, and I, I knew the advertising agency. I still know the people and that, that do all that advertising camp, all those advertising campaigns. And, um, they do a good, they do a really good job, but I like Korean air. It used to be considered back in the day, the cheapo airline. It's not, they've, they're a really nice airline. Um, they've come a long way and I particularly enjoy, um, even though they're long, uh, stops sometimes I really enjoy going through Seoul because mm-hmm. I, Love Seoul Airport, which I imagine is you took a flight directly from SeaTac to Seoul, correct? SeaTac, Seoul, Seoul, uh, Hanoi. Hanoi. Okay, okay. Double check. And how how long was the flight from SeaTac to Seoul first? I want to say it was fourteen hours ish. Okay. I can't I can't remember honestly. I think it was about fourteen hours. And how long was your layover there? On the way, my layover was only a few hours. On the way back, it was about eight hours. I don't like that. Um, (laughs) I've done done long layovers. I don't like that. Here's why I don't mind. Um, If I'm going to do a long layover, it's going to be in Seoul because Seoul has so many airport lounges to choose from. Okay. One thing I recommend all of your travelers do is it's if you travel a lot, it's really worth it to get like the Chase Sapphire Preferred. 
um, in particular, uh, as over over and above the American Express. It's a, it's expensive to have per year, but if you do a lot of traveling, you get a free priority pass card. And with that priority pass card, you have lounge access all over the world. And in, in Seoul, there every lounge you go to, and there are about four of them you can do with your priority pass, there is a spread of food, free beer, free, comfortable seats. You could take a nap if you wanted to. So there's a lot to do. And and that's that's why I go through Seoul. If I'm going to have a long layover, no other place I'd rather be. See, and when I didn't, like, I usually, like, if you're going to do, I, I like either a short layover or I like a much, much longer layover where it's mm-hmm. a day or so, in which case I can get out of the airport. And then it's like, okay. Because, like, I'll have, the, the, the one experience that keeps coming to mind for me is when I went to Venice one year, I, I flew from Maryland mm-hmm. to Munich, and I was in Munich airport for nine hours before my next flight would head over to Venice from there. And it was just, it just seemed like forever because there just wasn't a lot to do in the airport. And I felt like I was, I got a massage. That's great. That, that, that's an hour, but then, okay, more hours later, it's like, what am I going to do? It's all the same shops and I'm not doing a lot. Well, there there is something important. I forgot to tell your travelers about Hmm. with Korean air. When you go through Seoul, if you have a long layover of at least, I think three to four hours, there are a couple of different tours free that Korean airlines will take you on um, during your long layover. It's kind of like just a a bonus or a benefit. They don't tell you about it until you land and you see the kiosk before you go through customs and you can just sign up for a tour and they tell you where to go and it's completely free. That sounds fantastic. I assume it's run by the state for tourism and travel? Probably. It's run by Korean Airlines and the state. And it's 100% free. doesn't matter what class of service, what your ticket price was. If you flew on Korean Air, they, they... you know, offer this to you. And it's, I didn't go because I, I'd like to just hang out in the lounge being I have access, but it is a wonderful option for people that would like to see a little bit of soul and doesn't even cost them anything. That's fantastic. I, yeah. I think that's a great money saving value. That's, that's, yeah. and it sounds like it would be great, especially if you were just Super. there in the interim. Mm-hmm. through and and the, the list tells you right there you know if you've got you know three hours you can do this tour if you've got four hours at least four hours you can do this tour and you know because it's it's in com- combination with korean airlines they make sure to get you back that's awesome i love that, that that's yeah. fantastic um were you now since you were not since you were not in saigon for that long before you headed over to Hanoi, I assume there was no pre-vacation destination oh, time or anything. In Seoul. Oh, I'm sorry, Seoul. Sorry, sorry. Seoul. Uh, no, I, I chose not to. You can. I just I chose not to. I, I have stopped in Seoul before. I would not recommend um, just doing Seoul on your own in the winter time. Yeah. I I made that mistake. Why is that? <laughs> because I was so cold um, that I I, it, my, I was with my sister and and the same friend Karen. <laughs> Uh, we ended up going outside and thought, 
we got like five feet before we had to pop into a coffee shop and we bought a $15 cup of coffee. Didn't care, paid for it happily. Uh, but So yeah, it's, it's, wow. it's very cold and very expensive. Um, if you're getting the free tour on Korean, well worth it. Doesn't matter what the season is because you're in a bus. Okay. But um, yeah, so it, it just depends on the season in Korea. That's all. Okay. So here you are in Seoul. Now you're going to get to Hanoi. How far is it flight-wise from, from Seoul to Hanoi? Only a few hours. Um, if, I, if my memory serves me, it was about maybe four hours at the most. Okay. So you wouldn't think it would be that long because you know when we, when we look at the map, short. it's such a small place. So It may have been shorter. I'm not, not exactly positive, although you are going much further south. Oh, got so. it. Okay. And so now you're in Hanoi. Um, what are your accommodations like there? We stayed at a lovely little hotel um, right downtown there. Downtown. The whole thing is downtown. But, um, there are lots of hotels to choose from. I would personally um, suggest to your travelers to choose something um, that's, you know, uh, Vietnamese owned. Uh, because as opposed to like a Marriott or something like that, only because you, you get the flavor of the country. Um, they always come with breakfast, gorgeous breakfasts, uh, and just lovely hospitality. And the room was delightful. It was, uh, it was, you know, very Southeast Asian looking, um, just delightful. Excellent. Now, how do you, how does how do you how does you how do you how does your itinerary work? Do you already have any pre-planned excursions? Are you guys going to kind of wing it when you're there? What's the what's the plan? We only had one pre-planned excursion. Okay, um, and that was the um, uh, the cruise that we took in Halong Bay. Let me actually jump over to the pictures really quick here. <laughs> That's Halong Bay. Okay. Um, you you do need to book a cruise in advance for that because and and we, we did it three months in advance so it's it's there are plenty of options, but I would recommend at least a two night cruise. Do not do the one night. Do not do the day cruise. Um, it, we chose to get to Halong Bay on our own, um, but be, you can actually do it from Hanoi, and they will take you from Hanoi to Halong Bay and back um, as part of the cruise price. That just included. We didn't use the option. Well, actually, we, we took. The, I think we took the option there, but then we flew out of um, Da Nang, which is right near there. I want to say that they've filmed movies in Halong Bay, and I, I can't remember, oh, them, yeah. but I want to say there's like a couple of James Bond movies that they filmed there, and I think um, I think they filmed like a, a Batman movie or something like that, you know, at least pieces of it there. So, I mean, there's it's a beautiful looking, and if you're listening on the podcast, I know that you're not going to be able to get the flavor of what we're talking about, but if you have the opportunity, jump over to the YouTube channel to the Professor Travel, you'll be able to see the actual video, and some of these images are just absolutely gorgeous. Um, what what was this about? It was like a it was like a half day cruise. It was a full day cruise. Two day. It was a two day cruise. Oh, it was a two day cruise. Two night, three day. 
Excellent. Two and a half, uh, two and a half days. And you really want that because the Holong Bay is huge. You, you just touch the surface, really, but even in a two-day cruise. But um, you get the flavor uh, in its plenty of time. Um, the cruises are really nice, uh, small boats. So there were, I think, 15 of us on the boat. Just to confirm, this little boat that we're seeing in the first picture is not your boat. No. <laughs> that was just like a little fishing vessel. That's a local fishing vessel. Yeah, okay. Okay, I just want to double check. Yeah. I was <laughs> so, like, it's economy. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was our cruise. Uh, no, um, the um, the cruise ships are, are very nice, very small. I mean, actually, there were less. I think there were. 10 of us, there were actually 10 of us on, on this particular uh, cruise, um, all private cabins. Uh, every, every cabin had, you know, windows to the outside. Um, and, and it's really, you have to cruise a whole long bay, but you, you need to do these because it, you see it at sunset, you see it at sunrise. Um, they stop a couple times, uh, one on, uh, the only beach and you can go swimming if you want. Uh, we, or you can climb to the top of the, uh, mountain. I, I chose to just hang out and my friend and I, you know, kind of mixed with the locals a little bit, a lot of tourists mostly, but sure. and, and took photographs and just enjoyed the atmosphere. And then there's another, another stop the next day they do at a cave and then they, they take you to, uh, the fishing village. So we we did the the boat part of the cave. We walked up to part of the cave as well. Didn't go all the way because it was very strenuous. And I'm a wimp. <laughs> and then the fishing village, which for me was a highlight. Um, I would definitely recommend a cruise that includes the fishing village, which is which is why you have to do a two night tour. Did they include in the tour? Um, your food in addition to your lodging? All food. Okay. All food. There was a chef on board. Nice. Uh, the food was incredible. And they even won, they, all the cruises include a cooking class. Cooking oh, is yes. huge in Vietnam, um, primarily because, um, you know, the, the French influence mm. uh, for so many years. So food and cooking is incredibly important in Vietnam. Eating there is safe. Anywhere you eat, you're, you're going to be pretty much safe um, because such care is taken. And, they they gave us a cooking class teaching us to make spring rolls. And oh, it was nice! Yeah, and then we all ate our spring rolls. <laughs> it was so it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds like it's really really quite amazing. Let me go back one slide here really quick to this image. There's a couple of it looks like a couple of ladies selling their wares on the street. Where is this? Uh, one was in Hanoi and the other one was in Haiphong, okay. which um, after first we went to Hanoi, then uh, for several days, about four days, then we did the cruise uh, for the two nights. And then we stayed in Haiphong one night uh, to fly out, which is not far from uh, Halong Bay. Mm -hmm. And then we flew out of Haiphong, which it's like an less than an hour away. Uh, we flew out of Haiphong down to Da Nang um, to do that area. So um, th this is very typical though. Uh, this is this is how most wares are sold still. I mean, they, it used to be back in the day, it was on, you know, uh, pole carts and some people still do it that way, but the ladies go along with their bicycles and just delightful people. I, the, the Vietnamese people, I, you know, I was a little worried being an American, you know, how I would be perceived, um, you know, considering our invasion of Vietnam. Yeah. Um, 
No animosity. Never. In fact, I felt the opposite. It just people were very welcoming. I, I felt comfortable saying I was American. Um, they were excited. It, it, it just, it blew me away. It really did. I have a question in reference to purchases. Cause I know when I was in, um, Bangkok, uh, barter seemed to be the big thing that was there. Yeah. Is it similar to here as it, well? It is. And everything is so inexpensive. I mean, m- even less expensive than Thailand. And uh, they expect you to barter uh, in most cases. Uh, it, it's, it's Yeah. Actually, I want to I pause there for just one quick second because my husband, when we were in Thailand, he was willing to take a price that was given to him at face value. And the lady was like <laughs> freaking out because he didn't barter. She's like, no, no, no. Be... And she's, she's explaining to him. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, they're expecting you to barter. It's not an insult. If you, if you barter with them, in fact, that it's a, it's actually a expected for you. Yeah, exactly. So don't, don't, don't do the, don't do anybody a disservice by either right. a paying more for something than it's worth or B not, par- not partaking in the culture of barter, because it's actually right. quite interesting. Even if you don't like to oh, barter, just fun. have fun with it. It's fun. They expect you to barter. Um, you know, we sometimes feel like, and, and you can get this where it's like you're, where you're arguing over a quarter, um, but that's part of the fun and they're expecting it. Don't cheat somebody but do bargain because they want you to bargain. That's, that's the culture. Uh, except, you know, ladies like this that are selling like baked goods and things, that's, that's a fixed price because I mean, they're literally charging maybe, you know, 50 cents for a dozen baguettes, you know? So what is, you, what is in the other, what is in the other thing, by the way, I can't, I um, understand what that I think was sugar cane. Was that sugar? Okay. I was I like, it, it looked like churros or something. <laughs> yes. so I believe it was sugar cane, which is just incredible as well. Um, but I mean, you're in Southeast Asia, uh, but, um, and then the baguettes, it's not just rolls, they're French baguettes. <laughs> so um, you, you can't go wrong, you know, Grabbing you know, a baguette. Do you know how long the French colonized Vietnam? Just out of curiosity, because the reason I'm asking is because it seems like there is a huge French influence in Vietnam. Oh yeah, for um, uh, at least a couple of hundred years, I believe. Uh, okay, uh, and I could be wrong. I, you know, I, I did not check my history. We're not we're not history instructors. Right, right. <laughs> we're, we're, we're global business instructors. That's how it works. <laughs> for quite some, for quite some time. Uh, you know, it's centuries, I, I believe. So it's very embedded in their culture, um, this, this French influence. Absolutely. And you'll note that a lot of them are wearing masks. This is pre-pandemic and a lot of them. Now, what was the what was the rationale for that? Was it just is it just the smog in the air and stuff like that? Or is it? Oof, no, no it's, it's not that smoggy there in Vietnam. Um, it, 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 this was shoulder season for them. It was, you see, they even have gloves mm-hmm. for them. They, it was very cold. Uh, like I said, for me, it was, it was like, you know, late summer, <laughs> I just had a t-shirt on. Um, so that's part of it. Um, it's also uh, dust. Um, they just, they, the um, Asian cultures are very used to wearing masks and they also wear a mask if they are feeling ill um, to protect others. To not that's that is in the culture in all over Asia, uh, every country you go to, but um, in this case it was primarily uh, probably for the cold uh, and the dust. Excellent. Okay, now I'm going to skip ahead because we already went over that one. Talk to me about this photo or these two photos that I'm seeing right here. This is again on the cruise, or is it um, the one on the left is on the cruise? Um, this is um, a fishing village, a floating fishing village. Okay. 
Um, this is not something that's just there for the tourists. This is a living, working, floating village um, of people that fish uh, for a living. That's how they survive. Um, this is deep in Halong Bay, which you can only get to again with, with the two night cruises. And it's just fantastic. And and you, you don't, of course, stop here. They do take you to a place where you stop and you get to walk around a little bit. Um, but this particular village, they take you to several. This particular village is just, you know, it's just the people that live there. And they're so friendly. I mean, they, they get excited when they see the boats, the small boats. It's small boats you go in. Um, they get super excited and they're waving and the children are, are happy. And there's a school, there's a floating school. And I just really, just love Okay. And what is the picture I'm looking at on the right here? It looks like some kind of a bridge of some yeah. sort with some. Yeah. It is a bridge. Uh, ooh, now I'm going to mess myself up here. I think it was built in like 1200, 1300. Uh, it's called the Japanese bridge and it is a covered bridge and it is, um, it's a walking bridge, um, but it's, it's still in use and it's in, uh, this is in Hoi An in uh, down um, just outside of about 40 minutes, no, actually 20 minutes outside of Da Nang. And um, Hoi An has got to be one of my favorite cities in the world. Uh, incredible. It's, it's, it's known as the Venice of the East. Hmm. Uh, all canals everywhere. Um, it is prone to in sometimes, you know, certain seasons during monsoon, monsoon season, as you mentioned, to flood terribly. Hmm. Um, so you have to, you know, really pick your time when you're going to Hoi An. But we had just a lovely five days there. Uh, we rented a motorcycle and drove around, a little motorcycle, and I stayed on the back. Um, but I was a little nervous, but my friend Karen drives motorcycles, so I, I trusted her. And we had a blast. And we just, you know, did our own thing. And you can rent them for like $5 a day. And I've seen when I've when at least when I went over in Bangkok, and I've seen this in a couple of Asian countries that over there, you see people pile up on these motorcycles. You see like families of like four, five, six people on a motorcycle. Sometimes it gets a little crazy. I'm like, no, that's just how they. That's 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 what they do. You typically only three on these motorcycles because they're small. And I would not rent a motorcycle or drive anything in in uh, Hanoi. Um, walking across the street is um, an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in fact, a funny story in in, um, in Hanoi, um, we had gotten so used to it. And I, I'm an I'm an aggressive uh, traveler. I mean, I'm, I'm not scared of when I see a lot of traffic going in both directions with there no rules whatsoever. Um, I'm very aggressive at stepping out into traffic and making my way across, which you have to do in in Hanoi. You can't be timid and there was one day when we were getting ready i think it was like our third day there we were getting ready to cross the street and there were two older american ladies and they're like they were just holding each other's hands and you could see the fear in their eyes and i just looked at them and said ladies just come with us we'll get you across the street that was nice I, and, and i said to them, you you can't be shy they will stop for you they're not going to hit you but you that's just the way they drive Awesome. It's fun. It's fun. The streets are packed and it's just vibrant. And I love Hanoi. Okay. That sounded perfect. Now talk to me about these two pictures here. Cause this is really quite lovely. And I think it alludes, to, yeah. especially a little kid who's like smiling with the teeth missing in the front. Yeah. yeah. 
they're from. Uh, I'm again as a cultural photographer, uh, which I don't know if I said in the beginning. You uh, did, but you said it in all the other videos. But I'm glad you mentioned that. What yeah. exactly is a cultural photographer for my students that are listening? A cultural photographer is is really it, it, what I do is is capturing the essence of a culture. So yes, I will do landscape. Yes, I I do um, like the bridge, but but those things are part of a country's culture or a society's culture. I mean, I I do it domestically as well. Um, But I I, I capture a lot of people, um, everyday people. um, And and some might call it street scenes, um, street photography, but it's deeper than street photography. So it really tries to capture the essence of a country, the people, faces, places, um, animals, whatever it might be. And that's what a cultural photographer is. Excellent. So what are the two pictures that we're seeing here? They're adorable, by the way. (laughs) The picture, both have a story. The picture on the left, um, we were in Haiphong for a day. That was just after the cruise waiting for our flight. We decided to stay for a night and and spend a a better part of the day there to see what the little town was about. Now, we were, I think, the only Caucasians there because it's not a a highly, it's not a real touristy town. I shouldn't say touristy. It's not a place where a lot of tourists go um and we ha- it happened to be a school outing and each of the the different schools or the different gr- i think there were different grades not different schools were in different military costumes that that was their not costumes but that was their school uniform okay. so there, there was a, there the little ones were in little navy outfits um the and then uh, the older school were in um, these, these, these are, I think, like the four to five year olds. Uh, the other was the the babies, the three years, the three year olds. And again, for the people who are on the podcast, they're wearing all these. These are little kids wearing camo uniforms. It's <laughs> really horrible. These are these were the this was the army group. Okay. And, and they were taking pictures in front of a statue, which I, I don't. I have a photograph of it, but it's not here. The statue was really interesting. It, it is um, a statue, and, it, and it's the. I guess if, if you want to call it the patron saint of of this town, um, it is their, the, you know, the, uh, we'll just call it the patron saint of the town, um, a female warrior. And the sto- her story was very, very interesting. Um, the fact that it's a female warrior, uh, it just really captivated me, of course, it, not having known the story or that it was even there. But we saw the statue in the middle of the square and we saw all these kids and we decided to stop. Now, first, before we approached the kids, the teachers came to us and wanted to take pictures with us. Oh, wow. Okay. So reverse. That's interesting. Yeah. Because again, we were really the only Caucasians in this town. Uh, city. It was a city. Sorry. And the teachers wanted to take pictures. So then, you know, we we kind of translated with our Google phones. Can we take pictures of the children? And they were, of course, of course. And so we went over and we were hanging out with the kids and uh, and we were laughing with them and taking photographs and just just delightful. It was such a nice experience, unexpected in this in this city that really didn't have a lot to offer as far as, you know, things to see. Um, this, this hit the mark. This was, it was fantastic. It's adorable. And I love all the little expressions on everybody. Some are, some look like they're a little confused. Others are just <laughs> joyful and happy. There's a little guy who's kind of sleepy in the background. It's yeah, just, they're exactly. all hamming it up. It's, it's hilarious. It's just, such and, a- and then afterwards, the, more teachers 
all the kids got back on the buses and left and some of the other teachers were in a car they stayed back and asked if they could take photographs with us so it was it was really cute it was really adorable that's fantastic and then there's another picture here on the right hand side what are we seeing here fantastic story so the Vietnamese are very, very much um, excited to see foreigners and kind of want to include you in things. Well, there's um, a, a narrow pathway. This, these are train tracks we're all sitting on. Oh, yeah. And you can, I don't know if you can see me in the picture. I'm, I'm in the back row uh, and there's a, a lady with very white hair. That's my friend. That's Karen. your friend. Yep. Yeah, and we're all doing uh, kind of like this in the picture. It's a it's a symbol of you know good luck and you know what, and thank you and what have you. Um, we were walking along the train tracks. Um, there is a train that goes by there twice a day, but it's well known for the houses being right on the train tracks, and the, the train literally. If you were hanging out a window, you could touch the train as it goes through. Oh, gosh. It's crazy. So we're walking along these train tracks, and this woman uh, comes up to us in, in, you know, fairly decent English, um, asks us where we're from, and we tell her. And she said, do you have some time? And we said, yeah, we're, we're just, you know, hanging out. She said... We this is a culinary school and this is their final exam. Would you guys please be judges? Oh wow, that's kind of fun. Sure. And so we tasted all of the courses. We got a taste of all of the courses these students had coming. Oh my gosh. Incredible food. I mean, each course was more incredible than the next. And um it, it was these these all these young students that were training to be chefs, and you know it was it was very much Vietnamese. With some of it had very French influence, but it, the presentation was incredible. The food very safe. Again, you can eat anything. Um, the f- food was incredible, and then we we got to score each one, and then we gave out the certificates at the end. So this is a picture of all of us with the students and their award and their their the, you know their place in the uh, in the final. Nice! Wow! Uh, it was just wonder what a wonderful experience. It was incredible. That sounds like so much fun. Wow. It was I, it, one of the one of the best experiences I've had traveling. Well, I don't know about that because these next two pictures yeah. look really <laughs> fun too. So uh, again, for the people on the podcast, the left picture that I'm looking at looks like a bunch of colored lanterns, and definitely the right picture yeah. is of, of a little monkey. So let's start with the left picture. Talk to me about this one because it is radiant, radiant in more than one sense of the word, and just gl- <laughs> glowing and beautiful. Glowing. <laughs> Um, this is the, the town of Hoi An, the little city of Hoi An, uh, also one of my favorite places in the world now. Uh, I would go back there in a heartbeat. They have um, in the evening, uh, well, first of all, Hoi An is known as the City of Lanterns. Mm. And they have a lantern festival once a year. We happen to be there during the lantern festival. Uh, we got to set lanterns on the river, which was just beautiful uh, with the candles in them. We took a cruise up and down the river. But this is this is in um, 
across across the river, just across the river from Old Town. Old Town is on the Old Hoyanas, just on the other side. Um, and not a huge river, but just on the other side. And every night, it, it, it's like a festival atmosphere. Uh, and this is regardless of it being uh, during the Lantern Festival. It's just, it's, you know, where the shopping is, where the street food is, um, where uh, there are a lot of restaurants over there. And just the, the street food, first of all, you cannot go wrong. I, I, we just tasted everything. It was incredible. <laughs> right off the carts, again, super safe. I, I, there's no I, – I'm very careful, and it, it was super safe. Um, but this was a display uh, a shop of lanterns, and so I did buy a couple um, as gifts and one for myself. But um, you just put a light in these. You can put a, an electric light, of course, because they're paper lanterns, but they're just gorgeous. And so this was one of the sellers. It's it's beautiful. The picture is very gorgeous, and they can see it on your mm-hmm. website, which we'll get in just a second, I'm sure. sure. Um, and then what's the next picture? That's a little monkey. It looks like he's kind of incognito in the, in the brush area. <laughs> Yeah, um, this is the red-shanked Langer, and he is, um, excuse me, I'm going to have to turn my computer over here and plug in. Sorry about that. Um, I'll go this way. There we go. Sorry about that. Um, He is the red-shanked Langer, and the red-shanked Langer is very, very rare and quite endangered. He, um, he, they exist uh, in very few places in Vietnam, and I think there are maybe is one place in Laos uh, that they exist. Okay. Um, so it's incredibly rare. Now, this is not something on anybody's itinerary. This is not something that any, this is something that not a lot of Vietnamese even know about. Hmm. Um, this is a forest just outside of Da Nang, uh, like right on the outskirts of Da Nang. And I had arranged uh, ahead of time, well, I had tried to arrange ahead of time. And finally, when I was in Vietnam, got a hold of the gentleman that knew about where these uh, primates were. And we got a ride. He sent a, he sent a driver for us and he took us up into this forest. And then at one point there was a boulder that he could drive no further. And so we got out and we hiked and we finally, we finally found them. They, they appeared. And uh, one of the reasons that it was so important to me is because I do photograph wildlife, especially rare wildlife. And you can see, I mean, this looks like a, a painting. It looks like a doll. Uh, it yeah. doesn't even look real. They're just so beautiful that it. I, I could have. I. I think we stayed there an hour and a half, two hours. I could have stayed all day just looking at these uh, primates and, and photographing them. Even their little beard looks like it's primmed, and they're they've got like these little cuffs on their hands or about on uh-huh. their wrists. And then, and then the red legs, the whole red bottom. Yeah. And there's there's red that red collar, but and the face, the face looks just. No, almost airbrushed or something. Airbrushed, right? Oh, beautiful. Right. It's so right. crazy beautiful. Yeah, they're they're just incredibly beautiful and and it, it, they're expressive. Um, so it, it was just I I just was pinch me, you know. I <laughs> actually found them, you know. That's fantastic. Now, uh, before we get into the takeaways, what was the um, what was the 
the the return flights back. Was there any delays or any challenges with that at all, or anything? No, no delays, no challenges. Um, the only thing is, you know, be prepared for a longer layover on the return, just because of time time differences. You know, you're going back across the international dateline um, the wrong way. You know, so you're gaining time, but there, you know, you you may most likely you're going to arrive home before you left, which is always fun. <laughs> <laughs> so you get an extra day. But it's, um, you know, there are usually long layovers, um, no matter what airline you take, just just by virtue of when you have to leave your destination, um, the flights, and when they leave then again to the United States, okay. to the West Coast. So I know that you had delayed your trip until after your brother had passed away, but what are the pros of going on a trip to Vietnam? <laughs> everything there there were no cons um it's something i highly recommend people to do whether you do um, a guided tour um do it on your own like we did uh i highly recommend it um one of the pros and and one of the things that I, i i would add that we didn't talk about and i didn't show any photographs of is going to um the hanoi hilton Mm. As, as we know it, Ha Long Prison. Um, it's where John McCain was was held, as well as you know many other uh, brave soldiers of ours. And you know they didn't have a big welcome when they came home. Um, it, it's it's a dark point in our history. Um, but these soldiers were doing what they were told to do, and it, it's a nice way to pay homage to them um, and to see what they went through. So uh, th- those are that that was an important thing that I would like to add uh, that I think people should do and people should see. Um, the, the pros are, are just so varied. It, it's, it's, it's just a beautiful place. The people are lovely. Um, getting there may be a little bit more expensive, but when you get there, it's inexpensive. Um, you know, every hotel we chose, uh, and we chose at random, but every hotel we chose, uh, the breakfasts were just, I mean, like you would go to sleep and, you know, craving your breakfast the next thing. (laughs) They were that good. Um, and it just, yeah, just an incredible place. What were some of the items that you had for breakfast? Was it heavily French influenced? You got um, very Asian influence, you got French influence, and you got uh, Western, you know, uh, Western culture. Um, they, you know, they would have things like, you know, juices and pancakes, and then they would have spring rolls, and they would have uh, just massive buffets of food. It, it was really uh, speechless. I was going to say, do they, do they actually do crepes there? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you can get crepes. You can get um, – they have fantastic ice cream. We went to this uh, place that was known for its ice cream, uh, delicious ice cream. Uh, you just – you can buy a cone right right off the street. Uh, it, it just – you would think, it, for all intents and purposes, if you didn't know you were in Asia, you would think you were in Europe somewhere. It, it, it's, it's really a great combination of European culture and Asian culture. And uh, I think one of the reasons I really loved it so much. Now, I know you said there's not necessarily cons to going to a place like this, but what are some things that a person, especially a first time traveler to Vietnam, should be aware of? Um, you know, when going to Hanoi, the, the, there's there's that danger crossing the street. You've got to be really, uh, you know, careful and also 
you know, uh, you can't be timid. Um, there really aren't a lot of things to be aware of. I mean, other than the normal things when you travel, um, you know, is there, is there a crime element at all? No, because it's communist. Okay. And, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, advocating any one gov- form of government over another. So, you know, I don't want your listeners to get me wrong, but in, in a communist environment, uh, they tend to be a little bit more fearful of committing crime. Now that's not to say that it doesn't happen, mm-hmm. but it's not as, uh, it doesn't permeate society. Got it. Okay. And then of course, like an example of a cost savings was obviously booking in the shoulder season. We talked about that earlier, yes. um, as far as value adds, best practices, any other things that you want to highlight on this? Well, the value add um, is um, book a hotel. The hotels, you know, normally, you know, I, I, I'm a firm believer in all sorts of different um, ways to travel, whether it's, you know, uh, Airbnb or something like that. I, I, you know, when I was in, um, when I actually, when, when I was in Haiphong, we did an Airbnb and okay. that was, that was a lot of fun. It was, you know, so cheap and it was, we had the whole place to ourselves. but I, I do suggest a hotel because you get these fantastic breakfasts with it that really are a value add. Um, it sets you up for the whole day and they're not expensive. I mean, you can get a hotel for $40, $50 a night. So it's really, and then if you're splitting it between two people, you're, you're looking at 20 to $25 a night. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's definitely a do. Well, I, again, thank you so much. We always learn a lot when we interview you and we have a great time together. So again, Marissa, thank you so much. Um, now, if people wanted to see more about like the pictures that we saw or just to kind of get in touch with you, they can reach you on your Facebook at, uh, is it, is it, it Paul Frederico uh, photography yeah. on, on the, on the face on Facebook. I use my full married name, uh, Paul Frederico on uh, everything else. I just use, um, my wife's last name. Okay. <laughs> Frederico. But on your website, it's Frederico photography.com. Correct. Or on Instagram, it's Frederico Photography. Correct. So, and again, you can go and I, well, on my on my website. Also, if people go to my website, I do have some uh, blog posts, and one of them, at least one of them, now is Vietnam, and I I do intend to add more, but there there is a Vietnam <laughs> blog post. <laughs> well, we're looking forward to it. Again, thank you so much for your contributions on this. We always look forward to hearing from you. So, thanks a lot. My pleasure. Now, for my students that are out there, if you have any comments or questions, let us know. We want to hear about. It. Um, you can send me them at scott at theprofessortravel.com. If you're on YouTube right now and you'd like to be notified when new videos come out, hit that bell icon right above us right here. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe. It helps us with the algorithm. It helps us as, as it helps us grow as a, as a community. It really helps a lot. So thank you so much for that. If you like this content and you'd like to see more, give us a thumbs up. We really want to hear about that. And then finally, if you're on the podcast and you haven't already rated us, please feel free to do so. Again, we learn from everything that we do. So again, thank you so much for that. But until next time, I am Scott. This is The Professor Travel and make every day a travel adventure. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye now. The Professor Travel is a broadcast from Orange County, California. A transcript of each podcast may be requested by contacting The Professor Travel at his website, theprofessortravel.com. For opportunities to work with The Professor Travel, feel free to contact Scott at theprofessortravel.com or contact us through YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook at The Professor Travel. 
or Twitter at the Professor TR1. Make every day a great day to have a travel adventure.